Fix your eyes on Jesus. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Second Chronicles 2012. In the past two readings, I have shared with you some of the things you can do to keep yourself in God's love. I pray these powerful truths are beginning to help you see how you can effectively drive fear out of your life and keep it out. Here's another precious truth that will garnish your heart and mind from the enemy's lies. Take time to worship the Lord, especially when it feels like overwhelming odds are against you. Do what King Jehoshaphat did when he was, uh, when his army joined, uh, or sorry, do what King Jehoshaphat did when his enemies joined forces and amazed uh, a formidable army to destroy Israel. In the natural, Jehoshaphat knew Israel had no chance of winning the battle, but in but he chose to do something you and I need to learn to do whenever we are besieged by our enemies. We cry out to the Lord, saying, We do know not what to do, but our eyes are on you. Second Chronicles 2012. Jehoshaphat then placed no commandos in death but worshippers at the lead at the head of his army. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Instead of despairing because of their, their enemies, they chose to fix their eyes on the Lord, giving thanks to him and singing of his love. This happened long before the cross of Jesus. How much more can you and I sing of his love, which never fails, which endures forever. And do you know what happened? The Lord defeated Israel's enemies by turning them against each other. And Jehoshaphat's troops did not even have to lift a finger to fight. Instead, when they came to the place that was supposed to be their battleground, the enemies were already dead. And all they ended up doing was collecting so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. In Jesus' name, they made this happen to you too. When you are overwhelmed by challenges and you don't know what to do or even know or, or, or even how to feel, just cry out to the Lord and tell him, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That's the most powerful posture you can take. Keep your eyes fixed, not on your enemies, but on your Savior. As you focus on his love endures forever, the Lord himself will fight your battles for you. May you be conscious of his perfect love, that every fear is driven from your life. And may you walk away from so uh, walk away much stronger than before your enemies tried to come 
sometimes when you get sick, the Lord sort of speaks to you in visions and dreams. And uh, just this um, really early Saturday morning, this, uh, last, this Saturday, the Lord was showing me something. And it was thousands of people. And it was, it was like a church day, but it wasn't. And you had people uh, preaching up front. You had people all over. And then you had prayer warriors. And they were told to go out. And it was such a huge area that they uh, would go up to the very top back row and join hands between the aisles of the rows. And as they did that, it was just like God's miracle current went through them all. And all of a sudden, you had snakes coming out of people, spiders, scorpions, anything poisonous, cancer was being shown as a black cloud or a black ooze. And the, the people that were also helping would go up and gather all the stuff in baskets and take it down to a huge fire and burn it. And it was like a, a burning rubber tires, black, black smoke, as those things were being burnt up. And the miracle was, as they were released almost instantly, from whatever incident they were going through, for healing, for deliverance, for salvation, for many other things, it, like it was just so much to download, and and uh, while they were doing that, they go down to the next row, second from the top. They do it again, and then the, the back row would all move forward to give testimony down at the front, and it just kept going like that in waves of rows of people being delivered from whatever it was, you know, uh, there's so many things we need to be delivered from, even our own selves. And uh, it was just tremendous, it was, you know, it was like, I was watching this and it was like in slow-mo, but it wasn't. And I'm sort of not awake, but I'm half awake, and I, I'm thinking, you know, what, are your, what is all this about? He says, my miracles are coming and they will be here soon. And he says, when it hits, it will hit with such power, the world cannot deny what is going on. And I thought, glory to God, we're finally going to see this come to pass. And I thought, you know, we need to understand it's not just our little group. Like, this is thousands, it's like a football field full of people, hundreds of thousands of people. It's, it's like watching these waves come down to the front to testify the goodness of God. And and uh, it's, there were things going on like um, the lame being set free, people that had hip problems were healed, people that had eye problems were healed, people that had uh, heart problems were healed, diabetics were healed, right? All sorts of stuff. That people have to continue to work through their lives with. And I thought, God, the glory is yours. The glory is yours. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and here we are, such small uh, people compared to what he is. But he loves us and he loves his children and that's why he's going to come and do the miracles in such a powerful way it cannot be denied. Last week, you gave my testimony. <laughs> anyway, um, we were both sick at the same time. Um, God laid me out. Or God, the enemy laid me out, but God used it. Um, I was very, very sick. Um, previous to me being laid out, I got out of the bath, and um, I don't know what I had, but I fell and was out for a little while and scared me. And then when I got laid out, I was at peace, totally at peace. And But yet I couldn't do anything. I couldn't stand for 30 seconds. And this was probably four weeks worth of trial. But I was at peace and I would be singing and talking to the Lord but it wasn't like, oh God, heal me. Oh God, do this for me. Oh God, do that for me. It was just total peace and just having a conversation when I was awake. And Sue was calling me daily, make sure I was still kicking. And she said, you, finally she said, do you want to go to the hospital? And when that came at me, I thought, what do I want to go to the hospital for? Jesus is here with me. He's going to heal me. I don't know when. And then I have I have a case uh, for before arbitration, and it's coming up the 17th of March. And so I have an advocate who's pressuring me. Come on, we've got to get this paperwork together, or we're not going to be able to do this. And I, I every day I'd say, Okay, Lord, is today the day you're going to raise me up? And I'd stand up. I guess not, back in bed, but no worry, no concern. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen. If he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And I was totally at peace. I was actually at peace with going home, too, which was exciting because I didn't, I was just waiting on him. What are you going to do? And so um, Friday mornings, we have a prayer meeting, and Sue said to me, you're going to make a prayer meeting tomorrow morning? I don't think I better try that, but I'll try Friday, Friday evening. And so I forced myself to get, and I got in the car. I was as weak as a kitten. I came here, and um, I sat there. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened because I was totally gone. They prayed for me. I went home, and Friday and Saturday were my deadline days. So I said, okay, Lord. I can't do anything right now. I just wait. So I went to bed. Midnight, I woke up. God had healed me. I had enough energy from midnight to three to get the paperwork going. From six all day Saturday through trials like you would not believe. I don't want to go take time for those, but I was being battled and battled and battled but I fought through Saturday and Sunday 
And Sunday afternoon, I got it to the advocate right on time. I And the major difference between Friday when I got home from the prayer meeting and when he raised me up was miraculous. Not only did he heal me, he's restoring me. He is, I, last Sunday I came and I've been flagging because my whole heart is to worship the Lord in abandonment. And I love to worship him because when I dance, I dance with him. And he's communing with me. And I love to worship the Lord and dance. I could not do that. Last Sunday he says, I want you to worship me and dance. Are you really sure? <laughs> you know, I worship the Lord and dance. I've got more than enough energy. I, I'm, I'm delighted. Um, there, there are so many things. I, I got in the bath for the first time after I was sick. And the last time, as I shared, I flaked out and, and didn't know whether I was going to live or die. So I was hesitating getting in the bath. Not, not doubting, but hesitating. And so I said, okay, I gotta do this, man, because people are gonna not wanna be around me. You know, Lord, you gotta help me. I poured the bath. I got in, I could get down in the bath. Nine years, folks. I couldn't get in the bath. I couldn't get out of the bath, you know? And here I am, down in the bath, and out of the bath. Well, what do you think I'm doing? I'm praising the Lord. Hey, little things, little things like that. Miracle working power that he's restoring. My knees. <laughs> I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. My knees are healed. You know, um, I'm believing for eyesight. I'm believing for the rest of it. But he started. He started doing it in my life. What you were saying, yes, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass in my life. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked when each one of these things happen. It's like, huh? You know, I mean, it's like you've been expecting it to happen. But then when it's there, it's like, wow. I didn't know it was going to come this way. I, I didn't, you know, I guess I, I didn't even understand how it was going to come. But I'm seeing it come to pass in things in my life he's restoring. And um, one of, I was sharing with somebody, and she shared this with me concerning what Jesus is doing. Jesus is the fountain of youth. The glory that is shining through supernatural makeover. That's what he's doing in my life. A supernatural makeover of the glory of God shining through. I had my heart's desire, ever since I've come back into this body, is God, let your glory shine through me. I have a vision of what you're sharing, and I want that glory to shine. After this happened, or after this happened, a lady in a thrift store, she helped me produce the Bibles here, and she said to me at the end of it, I see Jesus in you. And that hit me, I started crying, because that has been that little desire, those little things that he's doing, that little desire came out of nowhere after 44 years. 
finally somebody says they see Jesus in you, you know what that did to my heart? <laughs> I cried and I said, thank you. You have no idea. She wanted, she's um, Korean. Her and her husband want to be used for um, outreach. And so she said, I want to buy these Bibles so that my husband and I can be used for outreach. And she, I said to her, you have no idea how you've been used today to encourage me and to speak life to me. Okay, so I want to read a scripture. I know I'm not necessarily the one to read scripture, but God's in my eyes. Hallelujah. It's Psalms 103. One to five. Now let's see if I can see it. There's no light. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. All my, oops, all my in interest being praise his whole. No, my, I can't read it. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who sacrifices your, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I want to speak to all the seniors here. We have a lot. God has a plan for the seniors. We are not just taking up space. We are here for a plan and a purpose just like every single one else. But we don't have their plan. We have God's plan for us. God is renewing my youth. And he wants me to tell you that he's renewing your youth. Receive it, walk in it, and see what he will do. Recently, I uh, the, the the ending of 2021 and beginning of uh, the, this new year, I was really on the fence with my faith, and God God want, just wanted to remind me that He He's never left nor forsaken me. I recently bought a computer off someone in Chilliwack because my old one was from 2009 and it was starting to bite the dust. And so uh, when I got this computer home, I didn't realize the girl I bought it off from the Facebook marketplace was a Christian. When And I opened it up at work because they called me into work when I got home. And Isaiah 43.2 sticker was near the keyboard. I'll just read that scripture. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I just, that was a, I, I read that in church a couple Sundays ago when, when I, I hadn't looked it up right away because I was still struggling a little bit. And then I just basically burst into tears because I, 
he was just reminding me that he'll never let go. He'll he he won't let anything overcome my overcome me. He he loves me and he he cares for me. And um, oh, I'm I'm also I'm also getting that tattooed on my forearm in April because every time I look at that, that's that's just a symbol and a reminder to me. And I love how a tattoo has a story behind it. That's the other reason I, I want to get that done. Thank you. Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought the child Jesus for his circumcision, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Amen. Let the name of the Lord be praised. We were singing it. Come here. Coming to expose the lies of the enemy 
but my people must prepare for what is to be revealed. It will shock the world, and only my spirit will be able to bring them comfort. You must seek truth. You must seek righteous judgment. You must seek forgiveness. It is only I who can bring you these things. Pray for truth. Pray for my judgment. Pray for forgiveness, always in the name of my beloved son, Jesus. Canada, pray for healing in all nations. He made me underline also all, not just one. <laughs> and whatever you hear, you must first seek my counsel. For I am ready to pour out many spiritual gifts for those who ask, especially discernment. So ask, says the Lord. Amen. So I, I remember many years ago, um, I prayed this simple prayer that started out with, Lord, in a world full of lies, show me truth. If I've been too quick to pass or form an opinion on anything, just burn it out of me. Just burn it out of me. I'm going to pray for discernment for all people. That we would I'm just renounce the enemy. Uh, just renounce the enemy in your precious name, Jesus. Anyone who wants to serve, I just encourage you to ask. In Jesus' name, pour out your spirit. Thank you. sermons so um, but I always you know it's just love how God just takes over and, and does um, what he wants so um, my friend Jolene at the back there um, I asked her if I could tell her story this morning of what's going on with her because I think you can see that she looks a lot different than when she came in mm -hmm. Bruce and the band got here before Cord and I did this morning and Jolene was having some troubles and um, and so we um, well, we, we called some emergency services. Um, I guess God had a plan for, for Jolene today. And um, she was feeling like, and, I, and apparently this has been a problem, she's had for years. It feels like bugs are crawling over her body, and, and she's, there's some reasons for that, um, some substances that do that. But it wasn't substances I actually saw the bumps in her body while we were sitting there. And so that's demonic. And so um, Jolene said she's pretty tired of this and carrying all the stuff she's been carrying for a lot of years. And, um, you know, she's just remained really calm. And the peace of God kept coming on her. And every time I'd see the bumps, we just speak the peace of God. And until Jolene said that um, she was ready to ask Jesus to come in and be Lord of her life so that he could be in her and put an end to this and that she could have the Prince of Peace on board. And so she did that. Amen. And um, she just took communion with us for the first time. 
and I think there's like a deep peace and rest on her right now. So uh, God is up to stuff. And um, I honestly, you know, we just have to pray that um, God shows how to follow up on these new people that are being birthed into the kingdom, uh, how to disciple them and get them baptized and get them filled with the Spirit of God. Um, and that Jillian knows the Spirit of God lives in her, and I already prayed for her to be baptized in the Spirit. So let's, you know, we just need wisdom to know how to follow up. We we're redoing the nursery in our church, um, not because we have a lot of babies, but um, because we believe that there are babies coming both in the spirit and in the natural. And so that's pretty, this is, it's a prophetic move. It's a move of faith. And um, we're preparing for the kingdom of God. So I just, I, in my heart, I just keep hearing that song, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. Did you sing that on Wednesday, maybe? Sean, no? Okay, well, I just, it's, it's like going over and over, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. So um, I'm just going to pray. So God, obviously, you're the God who who is in charge and who orchestrates and who answers prayer and who hears the cries of hearts. Thank you that there are a lot of hearts crying out all over this nation and all over the world for you to be God in a more evident, tangible way and for you to rise up in your people and uh, to bring a love revolution. Lord, that um, we would change the atmosphere, that we would change nations that people would know us by your love and your presence in our lives. Think of Peter walking down the street after the Holy Spirit came and people were healed by his shadow. And God, we, uh, we just want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So start with me. Start with each of these people who have tremendous hearts and love and desire for you. Increase our desire, Lord, help us to go low. Help us to hear your voice and to obey it. In Jesus' name. Stride. 
Therefore, I urge elders among you, as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not with greed, but with eagerness, nor yet as domineering over uh, those assigned to your care, but by proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares about you. Be a sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering, same experiences are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's a rich scripture. We're not going to, um, if you knew how long we'd already been in First Peter <laughs> as a group, you, you, you're not going to hear all the detail that we, we do in Bible study. We've been in there for months. But there's uh, just a few things I want to highlight. Um, one is that the word for witness, when at the beginning of the chapter, Peter says that, um, he is a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And the word witness in Greek is martus, but it's spelt with a Y, and it's our word martyr. So the word in, in English that we had for martyr, um, it was originally a witness. To be a witness for Christ meant that you would probably be martyred. So I think that's worth noting if you haven't maybe heard that before. Um, but it's it was so common in the early church um, for, for the witnesses of Christ to, uh, to give their lives. The one who is a fellow, so this is Peter describing himself as a fellow elder, a witness, and a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. One thing that we notice in Peter all the time is the juxtaposition of suffering and joy or rejoicing and glory and the way to glory is a road of suffering and i suppose there are theologies that say that because christ suffered for us that we will not suffer and that would give you a whole lot of brokenness and uh, dysfunction <laughs> if you think you're never going to suffer the scripture says in this world you will have trouble it also says those who are who are godly in Christ will suffer. So there, there is a, a 
pretty much a promise that those who are in Christ are going to suffer one way or another. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> That's a, so one of the observations we've made in our first Peter study is that suffering accelerates sanctification. Suffering accelerates sanctification. When you're going through a tough time, um, it's good to what you want to press into God, right? You are pressing in. When you're suffering, you're pressing in for more, for more of God. So God doesn't necessarily cause suffering, but he does use it, right? It's a tool. It's a tool in his hand. It says uh, in Hebrews 5, it says, Hebrews 5 says, uh, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I know if you think about that very much, um, but imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the first Sunday of Lent, I believe, one of the high church servers. But um, there is good reason to prepare your heart to celebrate Easter by understanding the suffering that Christ went through to die on the cross and to give us life when he was resurrected. And so uh, his suffering was was so costly and it says it says that he cried out with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. That's kind of a, it's a lot to get your mind around. The Son of God learned obedience, not that he learned it from disobedience to obedience, because he never disobeyed, he never sinned, right? But he learned what it took to obey because he was always in perfect communion with the Father as the Word of God, as the Lamb of God slain before the, before the foundation of the world. But when he became fully God and fully man, he had to face temptation and he learned what it was like to go through suffering so that we would never suffer alone. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect or complete at the resurrection, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who, what's the next word? All for all who something him. Obey. Oh, man. Because the natural word that, you know, we might think goes there is all who love him. But he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, and my commandments are easy. So I think one of the things that God is doing right now is bringing the church in line to obedience to the truth. And I was thinking of, um, you know, Hebrews chapter 5 talks a lot about, um, well, Hebrews is just a, it's a book that says Jesus is better. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the tabernacle. Jesus is better than the blood of animals. 
Jesus is better, because it must have been very confusing for the people of God who were under a system that God had instituted, and suddenly Jesus comes, and they're like, he's not even from, he's not from the family of Aaron. What's going on? Like, God's breaking his own rules here. It was very confusing. And so Hebrews tries to explain that God was making a way for the best, for, for the glory of heaven, for the ultimate plan, for the best, and um, that we would all be kings and priests, Peter says, First Peter 1, 9. And uh, you are, you're a chosen people, a holy nation. So that we are a royal priesthood, so that we are simultaneously royalty, kings, and priests. And so Jesus is the high priest and the chief shepherd. And just in, uh, I'm sort of jumping around here, but I'm just trying to listen. In uh, Hebrews 5, 2, it says, He, the priest, the human priest, is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. I'm just thinking of um, what Maureen said about um, just judgments and having discernment and stuff. And when I read this in Hebrews, it just wrecked me. It just really wrecked me. Because, you know, God um, wants us to be those priests. We have, a, we have the perfect high priest that is priest forever who laid down his life and um, makes intercession for us and his sacrifice was for all time. But we are also priests and kings in the kingdom under him. And he says, I want you to be able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray because you yourself are not perfect. So I just want to I just want to say that in this time of um, God rebuilding the church and realigning us with truth and with kingdom principles and causing us to um, unite together and lay down our lives for one another, um, we just really need to consciously deal gently with one another and and whether or not. People are ignorant or going astray. Those are kind of biggies, right? <laughs> and sometimes we're just mistaken. And sometimes we, we uh, walk in the flesh. That's okay, because we're a family and we're gonna discern together. We're gonna discern. And I've been praying for months for more discernment for me, for Bruce, for the leadership, for the church, that we would have discernment. And um, Peter, um, well, Hebrews talks about that as well. So just jumping back to um, verse Peter 5, clothe yourselves with humility, all of you, 
be subject. Peter talks a lot about submission. And he says, Close your, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this humility, um, the picture is actually of this, a slave who puts on an apron when he's about to go to work. Clothe yourselves, put on the apron. It makes me think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And he clothes himself and wraps a towel around himself and says, you know, um, as I have done to you, go and do for one another. So clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Um, the high priest image, you know, the priest, the priest served and um, he had to offer sacrifices for himself first because he wasn't perfect. And that's us. You know, Jesus is perfect, but we're not. But the high priest wore uh, an ephod and he wore a, bre a breastplate. And I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the Daily Audio Bible now since I've been having eye troubles. And um, so we went through Leviticus. And uh, that's where a lot of people drop out. <laughs> and uh, so if you get through Leviticus, you're good for the rest of the year. So I'm listening to Leviticus and I'm like, oh God, you know, all these detailed laws. But you know, it was actually in Exodus that um, the Lord described the priest's clothing. And you know, on the ephod were uh, two stones and each stone had six names. Six tribes on one shoulder, six tribes on the other shoulder. And on the breastplate were 12 stones and each one was engraved with a name of one of the tribes. And you know, the Lord just said to me, he said, you know, and this is, I mean, told Bruce this, but you know, the Lord said to me, Bruce carries the people over his heart, you know, like the, like the breastplate. And you carry the people on your shoulders, like the ephod, and that works together. That works together. You carry it differently, but you both carry it, um, you know, in a way that is part of my design, part of my plan. And not that we're, it's mutually exclusive, but you know, I just, I love the plan of God, love the grace of God. And that, if there's someone who, in, in the body, you know, Jesus is not embarrassed to call us his brothers and sisters. He's not, he's not humiliated by that. You know, sometimes people are embarrassed to speak about Jesus. We get embarrassed about him. And he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, so we ought not. But he's not embarrassed about us. We're his joy. We're the reason he went to the cross. And he's inscribed, you know, our names on the palms of his hands. And I think if we have trouble with people in the body, start to pray for them. Inscribe their name on your heart, and you will not have a problem with them. You know, inscribe their name over your heart and carry them, carry their growth and their training and their, their discipleship. Start to carry them in prayer, and you will not have a problem with them, and they will change. Um, because God, that's what God does for us as the high priest. And I, I just, I'm talking to myself. So I just, uh, God, we just, we just thank you for carrying us over your heart and uh, committing to complete the good work that you've begun in each of us. <laughs>
gutting, clothing, helping us to clothe ourselves in humility. So verse 6, humble, therefore, because of all the foregoing, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, the kairos time. We've been talking about the kairos time lately. The set time, the proper time, the appointed time. God has a time for everything. And um, we want to just be in step with him and in tune with him and believing. If uh, some of you know Sarah Maynard, she's a CMA gal from Langley. She has a blog and she, she does a lot of teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And she said, you know, God's on purposely said, let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done. And sometimes we, we sort of, one group emphasizes one over the other. Let thy kingdom come. You know, the Peters in the crowd are the let thy kingdom come people. You know, bring it now, Lord. Let's see it. Let's see healing. Let's see glory. Let's see restoration. Let's see transformation. Let your kingdom come. And yeah, the rest of that section is, nonetheless, not my will, says Jesus, but your will be done. And Jesus says, this is tough. This whole going to the cross thing that we designed at the beginning of time when we made the earth before we put man on it, and we said, I'd go and be the Lamb of God. Wow, now I'm here, and it's really tough. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. And in the death of my ego, my will, my expectations, that's where the death and the resurrection take place. You know, last night I um, got a call from uh, Miranda, who was the Jamaican Anglican pastor here for a little while. I hope somebody might remember her. She's a dynamo. I think she was too much of a dynamo for <laughs> for the church. But anyway, she's she's doing two. Other, she's leading two other churches. And you know, we didn't we hadn't talked for quite a while, and and um, the Lord just had us start talking about first peter and she's quoting first peter and i'm quoting first peter and she's she's giving a piece and then she says come on come on you know finish that verse Sue. and the reason she loves first peter was because she was crucified she was crucified and she died miranda died Miranda died and God resurrected her through First Peter and said, I will establish you, I will confirm you, I will strengthen you. And so she just can speak those words. And she, because she died, she died to herself. And it was through suffering. It was through suffering. It was through suffering that the glory came. We are fellow partakers of the glory that is to be revealed. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. So easy to say, isn't it? So, Michael, you're, you're going to be our, our visual aid here. Come on up, son. This is my, my second son, Michael. So, the word for cast in the scriptures. Oh, no, you need to be out here. You have to put your Bible down. This is going to get physical. <laughs> so the word for cast is the same word for casting your nets. 
So knowing Peter was a fisherman, you want to show me what casting a net might look like? Whoa! Do it again, do it again! <laughs> yeah, glad you were here today, hon. <laughs> cast your cares. That word cast is the same word for casting a net. And it wasn't like a little like a little gold tank, goldfish tank, net. It's one of those big, whatever they're called, those those nets, those trawler nets. They're called cast nets. Cast nets. <laughs> well, what do you know? How logical. That's awesome. Cast your cares. So that looked like a pretty physical, energetic effort there was. Yeah. That's why I asked Michael, I knew it would be full on, right? 100%. That, was, that took some effort. So cast your cares. It has to, it's, you know, it's intentional, isn't it? It's casting our cares, casting our cares on him because he cares for us. So uh, I like how it says, having cast your cares, having cast all your anxiety, all. Such a biblical word, right? All. God's the all. The all. Because he cares about you. Be sober in spirit. Be on the alert. Why do you need to be on the alert? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Most of you know Gordon and I lived in Africa for quite a few years. And so the thing about lions is the one who makes the most noise is not usually the hunter. It's the old male lion that makes a lot of noise and he flushes out the prey. And then the lioness hunts it down. So the old lion works with intimidation and he flushes things out by making a lot of noise. It's interesting that if you're still, if you're a little gazelle or whatever, if you're still, the lion may not catch you because they work more with movement than they do with anything else. So when you run, when they flush you out, then you're more apt to get caught, which is interesting that the scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. So the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, um, who, by the way, was defanged at the cross, seeking someone to devour. And of course, John 10 tells us that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering, same experiences are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. And the word resist, it's interesting um, that resist is to stand and to be, you know, opposed to. And it's not used in uh, other places in the scripture like you think, think it might be. Actually, Matthew tells us that Jesus says in Matthew 5 on the, in the Beatitudes, do not resist an evil man, but turn the other cheek. And that was kind of surprising to me when I put those in juxtaposition. So what does that mean? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Resist the devil. The man is not the problem. 
the power and the spirit behind him is the power, is the problem. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The man in front of you that is maybe acting under evil powers, don't resist him. Turn the other cheek. It's, it's, uh, it's not easy, is it? But it's the way of the cross. It's the way of the Lord. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, it also says that your enemies will not be able to resist you when you are called to speak in defense of the kingdom. It says that your enemies will not be able to resist the wisdom God will give you at the time. So we can take comfort in that. So resist the, re 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 resist the devil, resist the adversary, which is a legal term, right? Someone that's coming against you in a court. So he's already lost the battle in court. Be firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished um, by your brothers and sisters who are in the world are being made complete. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. There's a stop there. After you have suffered for a little while. It's all kind of relative, isn't it? It's all kind of relative, but this too shall pass. Whatever we are experiencing, this life is such a little dot in Peter's perspective, in God's perspective. When I thought about, you know, we often in our study are talking about Peter's life and what a what a passionate, energetic sort of individual he was and how he wanted to see things change and he wanted to be in the midst of things and how Jesus tempered him over time. And the words that he writes, um, one of his favorite words is precious, which just, um, I think, shows the transformation in a, you know, a rough and tumble fisherman. And one of his favorite words is precious. But um, he says, for if you have suffered for a little while, and I think Peter's perspective on suffering has two key elements that help us understand um, his view of suffering. And one is time. That time, you have to have an eternal perspective in order to have hope in suffering. Um, because Peter's not looking at just this life. He's looking at eternity. And so when we look over time, time is, well, somebody, somebody said time's a construct. Time's a line, but God has eternity. That's a circle that our lives will just be a very small dot. And we, we will get through whatever we're, we're in, we will get through. His other, I think, perspective that helps him to have a biblical view on suffering is that he believes suffering always has a purpose. Suffering, he always says, by the will of God. If you're suffering, and I'm going to qualify that and say usually New Testament suffering is persecution. It is persecution. So do we pray for those who are sick? Absolutely. I'm not going to say, oh gee, you know, you're being you're being tempered by this illness. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you because that's what the kingdom does, right? The kingdom brings healing. The kingdom brings restoration. 
Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. But sometimes God is using that as a tool, isn't he? To bring us closer to him, to hold the broken lamb next to his heart and to carry them through. And I think many of us can testify to that, that when we are weak, we become more reliant on the love of the Lord. So Peter says, for a little while, and for after you have suffered for a little while, sounds like the little flock, right? He's talking to shepherds, and he's calling Jesus the chief shepherd, the God of all grace, the God of all grace. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. And Peter talks in the beginning of the letter about being called, called to a number of things. He will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. After you have suffered for a little while, flock, Jesus himself, the God of the universe, will himself confirm, perfect, strengthen, and establish you. Call this the power list. To perfect is to make perfect or mend what is broken or torn, or to fit it out, to equip, to restore, to join perfectly together, to arrange or to adjust, and to make someone what he ought to be. It's the same word actually for mending nets, going along with the fishing image. When uh, the guys were mending nets, they were perfecting them or, or, or making them whole. Um, uh, in Luke, it says, Luke 6, 40, you will be fully trained like your teacher. That's to be made perfect, to be fully trained. And it's in Galatians, Paul exhorts us to restore wrongdoers. That's to be made perfect. Restore a wrongdoer to the fellowship. To confirm is to make stable or to place firmly, to strengthen and to make constant. So Jesus in uh, Luke 22 actually says to Peter, when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. It's, just, it's uh, the same word. Strengthen your brothers. So some of them can be translated various ways. The word strengthen, is this is the only place it's, it's used, is to strengthen your soul that your soul would be strengthened. And to be established means to lay a foundation, to lay the groundwork, to settle something. So the parable of the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock. The house built on the rock was founded, was established on the rock so that when the storms came, uh, it did not fall down. Ephesians tells us, Paul tells us, be rooted and grounded in love. That's to be established. 
So God himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I just want to read one other, another thing from um, Hebrews 5. I'm kind of going back and forth between Hebrews 5 and 1 Peter 5. So this is, um, I, I, I was asking the Lord about this because I felt like he wanted me to read this part. And I was kind of like, I don't think this is um, diagnostic. I think it's preventative. So prescriptive, right? Um, and uh, Hebrews 5, 11, um, Peter's, or the author of, of Hebrews is saying, um, talking about Jesus being the high priest. And he says, we have much to say about this. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you are no longer trying to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So, uh, uh, first thing to say is, don't be offended. <laughs> don't think that um, I'm. We're reading that saying. I'm reading that saying um, that that is us. I'm not. I'm just. I felt in my heart that the Lord wanted to say that for several reasons. One is, it says you no longer try to understand, which means that initially they did, right? And the writer of Hebrews is probably a second-generation Christian because he says those who were eyewitnesses. So they, they knew Jesus and passed on the story, and he came to faith through them. So that scares me. Because when I read that, it just says that people who are in the church um, can become hard-hearted. And it says actually that um, they become dull of hearing. And, and that dull is one of those words that Jesus used to use of the disciples, you know, KJV. Are you so dull? You know, are you not getting this? And uh, so I, I, I want us to have hearts that are soft. And that the, 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 the key here, I, I think, if I'm hearing correctly, is not just to hear, but to hear and obey. And um, the Sadducees knew a lot of law, and they knew a lot of the word, but they, they didn't understand the heart of God, and they didn't understand the supernatural. And Jesus said, you know, they came and they said, well, what about if, you know, a guy's married, like seven brothers marry one woman, and she becomes the next guy's wife according to the law, and he dies, and on and on, and you know the story. And they're like, well, whose wife is she at the resurrection? Because they didn't believe in resurrection. Listen to Jesus' response. He says, you err because you do not know the word of God, and you do not know the power of God. We need both. 
We need the Spirit of God, and we need the Word of God. We don't want to be in either of those camps, you know, little adage about uh, if you only have the Spirit, you'll explode. If you only have the Word, you'll what it was. Dry up, yeah. So we need both, right? So um, add faith. James is always talking about faith. Add faith. Uh, works. Faith without works is dead. But add faith to your knowledge. Um, I heard this analogy of, you know, if the word of God is like sustenance to us, it's it's truth to us. It causes us to grow. That when we take the food, if we just see the food on the table, it does us no good. But when we take the food and we eat it and we have to chew it and, you know, saliva and gastric juices work with the food to nourish us. That's like faith. The word of God is sustenance. But if it's sitting on your table or in your nightstand or wherever it is, if you're not looking at the word of God, if you're not chewing the word of God, if you're not adding the word of God to your diet, if you're not masticating the word of God, chewing it up and digesting it, it will not change your life. And the danger of that is that we become hard to the spirit of God because we're not in the word of God, because the word of God keeps our attitudes and our hearts correct before him. Otherwise, we just start picking up scriptures to confirm our own little set of theological favorite things. And that is very dangerous. So when I'm looking at this, I'm going, oh God, that we no longer try to hear the word. And the, one of the things God is doing right now in the church is saying, you think that you know the system. You think you've got this figured out. But I'm going to do things the way I want to do it, in my timing, in my way. So be in the word, so that when stuff comes down the pipe, you're going to recognize it from the word, and the spirit will quicken it to you. And you'll know what the spirit of God is doing, because you do not want to condemn what the spirit of God is doing. You do not want to be like the people of God, the Jews in their day, who did not recognize Jesus when he came, and said he was actually from the devil. God forgive us. Lord, we want to be people who recognize what you're doing. Lord, that have the word hidden in our heart so that when you move and when you speak, that we can discern what you're doing. Father, so we can bless what you're doing, we can join what you're doing. And Lord, that we would not put our own expectations of what this should look like or ahead of what you are doing and what your spirit is doing. So Lord, quicken us. Help us to have soft hearts. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and sharper than a double-edged sword that it penetrates even into the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. For that's what we need. You do divine surgery on us through your word, God. You change our hearts and you bring us in line with yourself. So God, we submit to you. We submit to you. We submit to you. Wash us clean of the things that distract us, God. Help us to fix our eyes and our hearts and our minds on you. That we would be obedient to the truth. The other thing in this paragraph is that the writer of Hebrews says that by this time, we should be teachers. 
but you haven't become mature. It says those by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is not moral good from evil. This is doctrinal good from evil. So that when we hear truth, we would know it. And there, if ever there was a time to have discernment, in this time of the internet, OMG, come on, there's so much stuff out there, right? And it sounds good, a lot of it sounds good, and we need discernment. We need to train ourselves. So what Maureen, if you heard, what Maureen was saying, the Lord said, come to me first and hear me. You know, be in the word more than you're on the internet, listening to the prophets. I'm, I really, like if you're listening to whatever it is, like then there's good stuff out there, but if you are listening to what other people heard from God more than you are listening to God, ah, it's a bad recipe. It's a bad recipe. It's a bad recipe because you're not going to recognize the false when it comes up. And you know, I was talking about the oil light in your car. You know, your oil light says, and engine needs some oil here. If you ignore the flashing light, you're going to have a seizure. Your engine is going to seize, seize, seize. <laughs> and that's the same in the spirit. You know, if your if your Holy Spirit oil is getting low, and you're not in the Word, and you're not filling your heart and your mind with truth, you are going to be taken in by stuff that is is tainted and mixed, or not true at all. But we are not of those who fall away, right? He, the writer of Hebrews says. So let me just close here. Here's, here's what I gleaned from the Hebrews 5 passage to summarize. God wants us to be compassionate. He wants us to be the priests who are tender and deal gently with those who are subject to weakness, because we ourselves are subject to weakness, which should keep us humble. He wants us to be compassionate, and he wants us to be humble. He wants us to stay low. He wants us to be obedient. You know, I think sometimes we make a whole little subset of theological rules, kind of like the Pharisees did, to excuse laziness. Oh, I just said that. I'm talking about myself. There's times when I can excuse and not do what God's told me to do because it's not convenient. And I think the time is coming where if we want to see the kingdom come the way we want to see it come, we need to obey. You know, Michael will remember when they were little, three sons now, mind you, so we have a saying at the Martin household, quick to obey or you will pay. Pay? <laughs> You got three boys, you need, you need something solid. Quick to obey, my little man, or you will pay. They didn't pay that often because they knew mom was, you know, mom, mom would carry through, right? You had to get them when they're little. God wants us to obey because he's got good things for us. And because when we obey in the little things, he will entrust us with larger things. We are learning to bear weight in the spirit because he's got stuff for us to do. And it's glorious. As you don't feel I missed some of your what you said. I don't, I don't, I don't have to talk to you after. 
maybe Travis is recording it back there. Hallelujah. Good man, Travis. He wants us to be compassionate. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to keep our hearts soft. And one of the ways that we do that is through the Word of God and submitting ourselves to the Spirit of God, that we don't grieve the Spirit of God. And He wants us to be mature. And part of being mature is, is handling the Word of God correctly and asking for a spirit of discernment. He's doing good things. He's really doing good things. It's so exciting. I hope you're excited. You know, the rest of the world is on its way to panic and breakdown, and the church is rising up. You know, the shaking is bringing forth the glory. The same fire that burns up straw refines the gold, right? And the church will come through shining as gold. So let me just pray. Father, we, uh, we just thank you. I thank you, God. I, and we just release, Lord, uh, just the joy of the Lord, the joy of obedience. For the joy set before you, Jesus, you went to the cross. And Lord, I just think of the disciples who rejoiced when their property was confiscated. They rejoiced when they were counted worthy to be beaten for the name. Wow. Lord, we just we want to be people who have our eyes fixed on you. So that whatever comes, we're going to be like, okay, well, the book said it was going to happen, right? Whatever comes, we, Lord, we just have our eyes on you. And Lord, we're, we're, we're watching for your every move. We're listening, and we thank you for what you're doing. I just bless my brothers and my sisters, Lord, my family in Christ. We bless the Church of Hope. Lord, every believer that names the name of, of, of Christ in this valley. Lord, we ask you to raise up the church. Raise up the church that she would be a glorious and accurate reflection of your goodness and your mercy and your love in the earth. And Lord, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done in our areas, Lord, in our world, uh, as it is in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, next week is a potluck. Second Sunday of every month, we're going to try to do potlucks. And I don't know, did anybody announce about all the books and things around? This is D's, okay? So D is blessing us. Uh, D is moving. Uh, we don't know where to yet, so you can pray for that. And her son, Kurt, and their family. And um, so these are some of her materials. So they are, they are free for the taking. She would love you to take them. Don't trample each other in the, you know, in the rush to get them. And... Um, and next week is, is a potluck. All right. Blessings on you. Go in the grace of God.